Please give me your name and where you're from. Hi, my name is Kate Carpenter, and I'm from the great state of Oklahoma. What is this week all about? So this week we're at a program entitled the United States Senate Youth Program, which engages students from all across the country, two from each state, in politics and civically engaged. Your name, sir? Reuben Banks, and I'm from the great state of Mississippi. What is this week meant for you? It means a lot. It's, it's meant for opportunity for someone like me of my standards and caliber that may not have opportunities at home. So it means a lot, and it's, it, mean, it means importance of nature. It means the idea of brotherhood, sisterhood, and the idea of meeting people that you never thought you would meet before. This is underwritten by the Hearst Foundation, and you're here for a whole week, and you get a scholarship. Where do you plan to go to school? Well... As of right now, my objective is to attend the United States Air Force Academy, majoring in mechanical engineering. And in the room are a bunch of people who are in the military who have been helping you all week as your mentors. What have you learned this week? This week from our military mentors specifically, they've taught us a lot about respect as well as discipline. Um, They've let us have fun and made this week all about us, but also teaching us how to respect the people that have put a lot of effort into this week for us. Explain to our audience what tonight is all about when you make a speech, and how did you get picked? Um, Tonight is very unique. It's the final remarks of the program from the student delegates that have been chosen. We were chosen based on random selection, so we want to be democratic in that process. Um, (laughs) The idea is that tonight is the the final lasting moments when we spend with each other. Now, we're going to make sure we create a lasting impression, and that's what I, I think me and Kate hope to bring tonight. What's the high point of the week besides the military mentors? Oh, man, there was a lot going on. For me personally, I feel like the highlight was definitely bonding, and I feel like the pinnacle of our whole delegation bonding was when we went to the Lincoln Memorial. Everybody was just um, kind of let loose and let have fun, take pictures, and that was really kind of the moment where we went from friends to family. And for you? I would say the same bonding moments, um, uh, sneaking around past security would be one. Um, <laughs> dancing with each other would be another. But it's the idea of having opportunities to engage and interact when, you know, we're changing times and family, the meaning of family is changing. Um, it looked different 10 years ago, 50 years ago, but now it's the opportunity that everyone is an equal member of my family in my book. Thank you both very much. We're going to meet the, some of the rest of your fellow attendees. Good luck on your speech tonight. Excuse me. Who would like to tell us about somebody that you met this week and what you learned from them? Who's got their hand up? Let's start right here. Give me your... Go ahead, stand up here and give me your name and where you're from. Hi, I'm Malavika Kanan. I'm from Orlando, Florida. And who do you want to name? Um, Chief Justice Roberts was an amazing human being to meet this week, not only because he's a brilliant legal mind and he's been able to shape the future of this country, but because he really took the time to explain the judicial process to us. We all got to um, ask questions to one of the most powerful men in the world, and he answered them like, and engaged us like intellectual future leaders that we are, and that was really humbling. Thank you. Who's next? Got your hand up. Yes, sir. One of the most inspiring people that I got to meet uh, this week was Elizabeth McGonagall, the Senate parliamentarian. She truly embodies what public service is. She's behind the scenes really making sure that the United States Senate is working. And sometimes it gets her into a little trouble, but her, uh, their, her, uh, 
her willingness to serve, her willingness to continue even when it's hard is really inspiring. I hope I get to serve in some sort of position like that and, and have that dedication that she has for her job. Again, your name, where are you from? <laughs> I'm Nicholas Howard. I'm one of the delegates from the great state of Maryland. And why did you even get involved in this? Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. <laughs> I... I have had a passion for serving my community, and I think that this program, I, I had a feeling that, I, that this, this opportunity would provide me with some, with some opportunities that would allow me to learn more about my country, learn, about, learn more about my state, and it has done exactly that. And I've also made a great group of friends and, and really family. Next. Oh, i got to squeeze through here. <clears throat> Anybody at this back table here? Hands up. Yes, ma'am. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Hi, I'm Isabel Jones. I'm from Arkansas. So I think my favorite person that spoke to us this week was Mr. Brian Kamoy from FEMA. He's the Associate Administrator for Mission Support, and he was very candid in his responses. And I'd like to go into public health, so a lot of his issues stemmed around like the H1N1 pandemic and hearing his perspective on working for different administrations and what that's like was really valuable. Mentioned earlier that this is a yearly program, and I need to know from you how you got involved and how you got to be the representative from your state. Yes, so I actually didn't know anything about the program until I met the delegate from last year at Arkansas Girls State, and she told me how amazing of a time it was and how she thought I would be a really good candidate for it. So I applied through my state, and I wrote an essay about leadership, and then I had to take a test over all things U.S. political history and Arkansas history as well, and then I went to Little Rock to interview for it. Based on, excuse me, based on what you've seen this week, how will it affect your life in the future, do you think? Um, I think it's given me great experience to go to college and meet a group of people that I didn't know before. I'm planning to go to college out of state, so it's going to be a totally new environment. And it's just been so cool to be surrounded by people who are as motivated as I am and as driven. And I can honestly say that this is going to be the next group of leaders. So just being surrounded by all these people has been really motivating. Anybody over at this table? Yes, sir. Please stand. Hello. My name is Michael Mishley, and I'm from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And who did you meet this week, and what did you learn from him that you'll not forget? So one of the favorite people that we met this week was Susan Gordon, the principal deputy director of the National Intelligence. And I learned from her that intelligence is hard work, but it certainly is a fun job. Did you notice as you were here this week a difference between the politicians and the people behind the scenes who are the people working as staff people? Absolutely. Um, what did you notice the difference to be? The people behind the scenes tended to really love what they were doing, and they very important people. Uh, we got a little bit less time with them, but it was great to hear from them as well. All right, who's next? Back, somebody back here? No? Yes, sir. Hi, my name is Alan Duggar from the state of Louisiana, and one person who I was really uh, proud and honored to meet was my senator, John Kennedy. Uh, he's a man that I'm ideologically uh, at odds with, but the fact that he was able to humble himself and be uh, very kind to me to show up and, and meet me was pretty humbling and honoring for me. So it was really great to be confronted with such an important and busy man and uh, to kind of learn that sometimes you, you feel elevated by your, your status, but there are a lot of people down here that are worth your time to meet, and so that's something that I'll take with me. Give me your name again, and also tell me what part of Louisiana you're from. Uh, I'm Alan Duggar, and I'm from Baton Rouge, our capital. What else have you learned about Washington? Well, one thing I think I'm coming away with is uh, I'm a lot more optimistic because I'm seeing how 
truly passionate and driven all the uh, public servants are. I kind of thought when I was coming in that I might come come back a little more cynical, uh, being more sort of familiar with the process, but I'm actually seeing that everyone who we've been spoken to by has been extremely passionate, extremely knowledgeable, and extremely qualified for, for the job that they're doing. All right, anybody else who wants to tell us about somebody that you met? This young lady over here, please stand. Your name, where are you from? My name is Caitlin Ahern, and I am from Pennsylvania. Who did you meet? Who did you talk with that you would like to talk about with us? So um, one of the people that really impacted me this week speaking to was Martha Raddatz. Um, I'm a very big fan of news, and specifically her. Um, Global affairs have always impacted me, and for myself as a woman who was hoping to go into public service, it was very inspiring to see such a brave and intelligent woman who I've looked up for to for years and kind of get to meet her finally and hear from her perspective. What did you learn from her? I learned how important it is to be a global citizen and how important it is to be cognizant about what's going on in the world and not just feed into um, information that may not be correct. All right. Thank you. Who else? These aisles, it's either me or these aisles are smaller this year. Yes, stand up, please. Tell us who you are. Hello, I'm Rohan Shah from the great state of Virginia. Where do you live in Virginia? Uh, Northern Virginia, Vienna, Virginia. Okay, who did you meet? What did you learn? Uh, I met my senator, Tim Kaine. He was so kind, and I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, he, he just spent, he answered all my questions, and he was just really thoughtful with his responses. I understand being a senator is a very busy job, but just the time that he took was just so meaningful and impactful to me. What did you ask him, and what did he tell you that mattered to you? So uh, in my area, there's been a rise of sex trafficking, especially as Northern Virginia becomes more uh, a transient city. Uh, so I asked him what policies that he was enforcing, because he's on one of the committees dealing with that issue. So I wanted to make sure uh, that he was aware that that was a problem, and I wanted to see his input on that. How were you chosen to be here? Because there are only two from each state. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was a really rigorous process. Uh, I had to be nominated by one of my teachers, uh, and then I had to take a very uh, difficult test and then interview as well. Is it worth it? Without a doubt. Thank you. Let's change topics for a bit. You ready to talk? Okay, good. What, from your perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, this morning I'm having trouble talking. What, from your perspective, has been the impact on this country of the Trump presidency? And what was your reaction to meeting him yesterday? You give everyone else softballs and you give me this? You, you bet. Your, your name and where are you from? Uh, I'm, uh, my name is David Ox. I'm from a small village of Ardsley in, in New York. Uh, and I think, uh, well... You know, it's hard to tell exactly what the what the impact of the of the Trump administration has been. I think, uh, you know, if you, if you look at its uh, policies of of deregulation, I think you can make a very strong argument that uh, it's going to have a terrible environmental impact, especially you know decades down the line, and even right now. Uh, economically, I think uh, you know its economic stewardship is is quite successful. Uh, I I would agree with those who say that it's, it's uh, ignoring the risk of a of a financial crisis in the coming years, uh, and I think. You know, it's, it's uh, social policies, I think, are, you know, for the most part, disgraceful. I do have to applaud 
uh, you know, the, the tenor of the administration, especially on, on trade. And I think that uh, ultimately the, the heart of, of uh, many of the leaders of the administration are in the right place in, in their focus on, you know, on the, uh, the interests of the, the common American worker. What's your reaction to meeting the president? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible seeing him. It's, even, if you, even if you dislike him, there's, there's a certain aura around him. Uh, you, he almost seems to, to exude power. It's, uh, it's quite intimidating. So when we, when we all saw him, you know, and this is a, he's a large, large person, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to comment negatively, but he's, he's a physically imposing man. So we all, we all, started, uh, we all started applauding, you know, quite, quite heavily, and he, he seemed to enjoy it. He had some, some light repartee, and it was, uh, it was off to the races from there. All right, who else wants to talk about the Trump presidency? Um, hello, my name is Soja Swagel, and I'm from the great state of Arkansas as well. I'm the other delegate. Come on over here so we can see you. <laughs> so um, I personally disagree with Donald Trump a lot with his policies, like zero tolerance, which led to family separation, deregulation of businesses in regard to environment, um, travel ban, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes on a whole list. And so it was very interesting to meet him because personally – I just see him as a very immoral man. So it was, it was very difficult for me. I was very conflicted because I didn't know whether to shake his hand or not or how, just exactly how to react. And so I was very upset afterwards when a lot of people were attacking other people for shaking his hand or not shaking his hand. And I felt that's exactly what he wanted for us to just argue about him and basically make him the center of attention. And I think for us to fall into his little trap, I thought was... I thought it was really sad, and I feel like for us to just overcome and be bipartisan, which is exactly what this program's all about, I feel like we should basically live up to that message much more than what we did yesterday. What is the impact of the Trump presidency on the country? Um, definitely division. We see that we're constantly talking about bipartisanship in Washington with all our speakers, but I see that a lot of us just like to talk to talk but not walk the walk, and a lot of these speakers also do not like to compromise, and so we see that just saying being bipartisan is not enough. It's way more important to actually be bipartisan instead of just saying it. And so even though we see this division, it's important to know that we have to see humanity on the other side. And for us to be the future leaders of tomorrow, if we're able to embody that, then I think that's pretty inspiring for the next generation. Thank you. Next. Yes, ma'am. Please stand. Tell us your name and where you're from. Hi, my name is Morgan Heath Powers. I'm from the great state of Nevada. So the impact of the Trump presidency on the United States, and what did you think about meeting him? You know, I think it was said very well um, by Susan Gordon, Deputy Director of National Intelligence, that if anything, we are all awake. Our nation is very divided right now, um, and regardless of your opinion on the Trump administration, um, we all come here with very passionate opinions. But the one thing that I can say is that especially as I look around me at so many future leaders and so many fellow members of, of this rising generation is that we are all so involved and we care so, so much. And so if one incredible thing has come from all of this is that we are all awake. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we look at an election, we look at a presidency or truly um, any political race, any political figure uh, for their policies and we might um, comment a little bit on who they are as a person, but this is really kind of 
asked us to consider who do we really want leading our nation, and if not President Trump, um, what alternatives are you looking for, and how will you bring that to the table? Um, so to anybody listening and for my fellow delegates in this room, I just ask that regardless of your opinion about President Trump, that we really do consider what kind of people do we want to be going forward, how can we can continue to stay awake, and hopefully uh, bring, uh, use that to bring us together. Back in the back here. We haven't heard from some of these tables. Yes, ma'am. Please stand up and talk, we'll talk sure. to that camera. Hi, I'm Lane. I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, Where in Wisconsin? Just outside Milwaukee, actually. Um, so on the sort of Trump question, I think that this whole week we spent a lot of time hearing from elected officials specifically about um, the importance of reaching across the aisle. And I do think that, although that's always been important throughout American history, I think that specifically now with the Trump presidency, it's more important than ever that we sort of band together as a country and make sure that with amongst all the division and all the sort of animosity in our politics that we can come together and and really focus on what's important you know with with a, such a divisive president and a, such a divisive political system i think uh, the important things can get lost sometimes. And it's important that our Congress, I think specifically, and the members of Congress can sort of come together and focus on passing policy and legislation that is meaningful and impactful and important to the people, and that they dismiss the petty politics and come together and protect the American people and do their jobs. So what was your reaction to meeting the president? Well, I think, you know, regardless of whether you disagree with him or not, it's, it's not so much about who he is, it's about the office. I mean, meeting the president of the United States is an honor, regardless of whether you agree with his policies or not. Um, so I guess it was an honor for me, even though I don't necessarily associate my, consider myself to be in agreement with all of his beliefs. Thank you. Well, a lot of hands back over here. Yes, sir. Tell us who you are. Where are you from? I'm Will Shrefferman from the state of Indiana. Great state of Indiana. Exactly. Uh, so tell us what you think the impact of the Trump presidency is. So this week we've learned a lot about the current day, but we've also learned a lot about history. Uh, the Italian ambassador was talking about the Roman Senate and how they used to stab people. So at least we're not at that point. Uh, we also heard from the Capitol tour guides about how Charles Sumner beat uh, Preston Brooks with a cane nearly to death. So at least we're also not at that point. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric about this is the most divisive time in our history. It's not. We've seen worse times. Um, there's a quote I heard this week that really has stuck with me about how partisanship is the salt of democracy, and it kind of has a double meaning in that, yes, salt's bitter. You know, it adds a nasty taste to everything we have, but it also preserves it. So the, the disagreements we have, the debate, it's important to keep it civil, but we have to recognize that the the partisanship, the, the negativity, take a positive spin on it. Recognize that there are always going to be disagreements. Make a good argument. Advocate for what you believe. And in that, we're going to see positive impacts and change. Your reaction to meeting the president? I think it was David, but he said the, the aura about him was really, really quite something. I mean, you're in the East Room of the White House. This is where presidential addresses are made. And you see him walk down that hallway. And it's hard to believe you're, you're there. Um, the impact of actually meeting him was, for me, as well as I think others, a little bit conflicted because coming from my state, a lot of people are, are huge fans of his. Um, I personally disagree with a lot of what he does, but you have to respect the office of the presidency. You have to respect the place that you're in. So shaking his hand really was an honor because it was shaking the hand of the office of the presidency. You know, how many people can say that they've gotten the chance to do that? But 
rather than just having this great experience, what I'm really looking forward to is taking all these lessons I've learned from all these amazing people going back home, spreading the word of, of advocacy, of change, of bipartisanship, of really meaning it when you say compromise rather than just having it be empty words. Where are you from in Indiana? Uh, from a suburb called Zionsville, just outside of Indianapolis. Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like to ask if there's anybody in the room that would, I mean, the, a lot of non-verbal <clears throat> comments about the president. And if there's somebody in the room that is for Donald Trump, because it's clear that everybody we've talked to so far is not. <clears throat> so let's ask this young lady right here, tell us who you are, where you're from, and under the surface here, it sounds like there's been some interesting discussions. Um, my name is Grace Costco, and I'm from Ohio. And um, I am with Donald Trump on many of his policies. Um, I might not agree with uh, how he treats some people, I guess, because I've heard a lot of things, and I've learned a lot from all my other delegates. But I, when we met him yesterday, it was really powerful because um, I was talking to some people afterward. And they were all very against Trump before. And I heard some people say, like, he was actually really nice. Like, he joked with us. He was, he was fun and he was surprising. And I feel like he's always being attacked, so he's oftentimes on the defense. But with a lot of his policies, and don't hate me for saying this, I agree with a lot of his fundamentals and a lot of things he believes in, in, in a lot of the deregulation. Um, and I'm more libertarian, so a lot of the fiscal stuff, I'm more conservative. And with that, I stand with him. And because of that, it was a true honor to meet him. And I will hold that with me for the rest of my life, and as I'm sure many of us will. So what's, uh, what's so important about being nice? Honestly, I'm not sure. Because, I mean, think all these politicians that we met, I feel like if they had the most stressful job in the world, um, I feel like it's more important to be strong and stand with who you are and do what you think is best. Um, and although being kind to people and treating people res with respect is something that I wholeheartedly agree with and that I think he sometimes does fail at. But I think that anybody would fail at that sometimes. And so it was really nice to get the chance to meet him and see the human inside because we're always just looking at the TV screen and I feel like that's that's not some way that you can learn someone and I have a policy that I don't hate someone until I've met them and until I know them and I've heard a lot of people say um, from back home and even from here that oh, I hate Trump and I'm like you can't like it's impossible to say that without knowing who they are you know thank you that a couple of hands back here on the issue of the president. Yes, sir. What do you think the impact of the Trump presidency has been? Uh, hello, sir. I'm Kyle David Byrne from uh, the great Commonwealth of Virginia in Arlington. And um, I think Donald J. Trump is making, um, you know, making America great again. I personally believe in his slogan, and I believe that he's doing what he said he would do. Um, as other delegates have said, the way he goes through certain things, um, in that office, you have to have a certain respect about yourself and the way you hold yourself in a different right. And I don't think he, he's up to that par um, some of the time, but I believe his policies um, and the way he's holding a more aggressive stance towards other countries and towards 
um, other politicians, and I don't blame him for the partisanship in America. I think he's doing what he said he would do. We knew that from the moment he started his campaign in 2015 to the moment he got elected in 2016. He was, he was pretty much going to do the same thing. He hasn't changed. But you, you could tell the partisanship started before he ran for president, and it's continuing now, and it's only grown. Um, and, and that's because I think either you're with Trump or you're against Trump. And if you're not with Trump on the Republican Party, it's really hard to get elected at this point. And if you're not with, uh, and if you're against, yeah, if, if you're with Trump, you have to go with him on everything. And so I think there's a lot of that issues in the party, in the uh, politics in general. Um, but I do think he's making a better America and a better world for us. So has it been difficult being pro-Trump during this week with your fellow students? Uh, I would not say it's difficult being uh, pro-Trump in, in this room. There's a lot of great discussion that happens, and everyone here knows that. Though you may be a different political party than somebody else and have different views, we're all here because we want to make a better world for ourselves and for the generations that are going to come after us. I come from, as I said, Arlington, Virginia, and Arlington was just ranked one of the uh, you know, least politically tolerant places in, in, the, uh, in the United States. And as such, I'm really used to that. But coming here and seeing the difference, and I can speak to any issue with anyone, gun control, abortion, uh, you know, the wall. And you, you'll have a great discussion, a great talk with anyone, uh, even if they're on the complete opposite side of the issue. Thank you. One more on the Donald Trump subject, and then we'll move on. And there's a gentleman back here that I think has a strong opinion. Yes, sir. Stand up and tell us who you are. Thank you very and much. I want to make sure that they can see you, so look down there. Thank you very much. I am Ian McCabe from Center Harbor, New Hampshire. Um, and I started off not being a big Donald Trump fan during the 2016 primary. Um, I was a big John Kasich fan, um, and I struggled at the very beginning. Um, but as I read multiple news sources, um, started reading on my own instead of watching it on television, so that bias from the uh, media didn't play a role in how I read, it really changed my perspective on politics and on the Republican Party. Um, in specifics. I've always been an economic conservative, um, but I feel that Trump has a very bad um, persona around him and that people don't look twice or three times and that there's more to the first paragraph as a story, as one of our speakers has said this week. I don't remember who exactly it was, but we need to learn how to learn um, and not just read, but think deeply and think about, think about all sides of an issue. And I, I worry that we as a nation, we just we put ourselves in a box and we don't think deeply. And I have, I have faith that our country will improve, um, but it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time for Republicans. It's a difficult time for Democrats. And I just wish we could come together and have civic conversations. Um, and it worries me that we blame each other for having different, different beliefs. Thank you. This is the Senate Youth Program underwritten by the Hearst Foundation. 104 students come here every year, spend a week meeting a lot of important people, including the Chief Justice, the President, Secretary of State, all their senators. <clears throat> and I want to switch topics. We have about 30 minutes left. Who in this room can talk about the new Green Deal? And what do you think of it? And do you think there will be a moment when we put all airplanes away forever? Yes, sir. Stand up, please, and tell us who you are. I'm Jay Philbrick from the great state of Maine. Um, Where in Maine? I'm from North Yarmouth. It's about 10 minutes outside of Portland. Um, in regards to the Green New Deal, um, I think it's an important step in refocusing the priorities of this nation. Um, I'm, I don't agree with everything that is um, 
stipulated in the resolution, and I don't think, um, you know, I, I definitely don't agree um, with all of its goals, but I think it's important that we really take a, um, a uh, fine-toothed comb to our policy in the United States about how um, we treat the climate, um, how we treat uh, the earth, and um, you know, some broader economic goals that I think would be beneficial to this nation. We're $22 trillion in debt. How do you pay for a Green New Deal? I mean, I think the debt question has been um, kind of a, an issue uh, throughout our um, 21st century life, but we had a budget surplus um, in 1996, 1997, 1998, 1999, 2000. Um, in 2003, uh, taxes were cut once. Um, we uh, engaged in two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then now in 2017, we'd cut taxes again. I think we can see budget surpluses in this country just as we have, uh, you know, just under 20 years ago. I don't think it's that hard. We do need to raise taxes to pre-2003 levels, and we need to um, take a close look at our spending priorities. I don't think it's as difficult as some people think it is. Who else on the Green New Deal who hasn't spoken yet? Yes, ma'am. Hello, my name is Caroline Rader, and I'm from the big sky state of Montana. Um, I just have one area of the Green New Deal that I would like to address. The number one economic driver in Montana is agriculture, and there's a lot of talk about switching to electric vehicles. If you know anything about agriculture, about combines, tractors, you know it would be virtually impossible to power that equipment to provide food for our nation if we switch to electric combines, tractors, etc. And so how do we provide for that under the Green New Deal? Are there stipulations for that? Um, I'm not as educated about it as I would like to be, and I need to read up more on it, but I think it's something that has not been discussed at all that needs to be discussed. One of the suggestions in the Green New Deal, depending on what you read and where you read, is that we're going to do away with cows. Well, I know that has to do with methane production, and if you know anything about cows, they produce far less methane than any other thing on the earth. So I think that is completely unbased. Um, it has no basis for that. Um, the other thing is, is if you were to do away with cows, you'd have problems with range management, pasture management. What would you do with all the land that the cows were grazing on? Um, it's unhealthy for grazing land to be unused. It causes buildup of plant material, which actually causes the, the rangeland to degrade. So, Next, who wants to talk about the Green New Deal? <clears throat> Got to hit these military people over here, see what they think. Yes, please stand up. Hi, I'm uh, Jack Fannin from Montpelier, Vermont. Um, and I think that when it comes to climate change, we have a responsibility not only to the, our future, but to the rest of the world and the people who are suffering uh, because of the effects of climate change to act now. I think that no amount of debt is greater than the cost of climate change left un, unaffected and un, uh, just un, untreated because our Earth cannot sustain our levels of greenhouse gas emissions, pollution. And I think we, as a nation, have a responsibility to take drastic measures. And I don't always, I don't agree with everything but in the Green New Deal, but I think that the goals of the Green New Deal are admirable, and I think we need to work hard to make that those goals a reality. 
I asked uh, ask you the same question I asked uh, earlier, gentlemen. What about the $22 trillion in debt? Where are we going to find the money to pay for all this? Uh, I think he had a very good answer. I think that the money's there. I think that, you know, our, our nation, the, uh, the new tax bill, I think that added uh, in 2017 added something like $1.5 trillion in, to our deficit. So the, I think there needs to be a will. And when people are adding that amount of debt just for tax cuts, uh, I think that, that that's a poor excuse. Uh, what do you think the chances are that there is the will in the United States to do what you're suggesting? Well, I think the will is there um, on one side. I think truly I think it has to become a bipartisan issue, and I'm really saddened that it's become so politicized because, you know, the beauty of our nation should not be something that is political, and, you know, the future of our earth is something that I think is universal, and I think we should all be able to agree that we want, you know, clean water, beautiful reefs, beautiful a, a beautiful country and to preserve our natural resources for the generations to come. Now, we're going to keep talking about this for a moment. But I want you all, you all carry your notebooks around with you and you write things all week long. I want you to find just a sentence in your notebooks that you find to be a little bit provocative or some real insight. And then I'll move around before this is over to a bunch of you to Get just one sentence. I don't want a lot of paragraphs. I need just one sentence. So Green New Deal. Who wants to talk about the Green New Deal? <clears throat> where are we? Yes, sir. Your name, where are you from? Uh, my name is A.J. Hesberg, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, on the Green New Deal, I'd say I don't agree with all of the specific legislative points of the Green New Deal, but I think the fact that we are talking about climate change and the Green New Deal right now means that it's already a success. Climate change has always been on the back burner of American policy since Jimmy Carter. It's always something that there's more pressing issues. There's something else that's more politically topical. There's something else we need to worry about. It's fear-mongering. It's whatever. But we're reaching that point. Like uh, the UN a few months ago just released a very um, damning report about climate change and that it is a major issue that it is we we put it off for so long that now it is a demanding issue and climate change is real it's like that's a fact it's I know it's debated somewhat it shouldn't be it's just science and I'm glad that it is being talked about why do you think one one side of this discussion doesn't think it's an issue I think that it comes down to politics. It comes down to, one, there's so many vested short-term interests in Washington that it is more, if you are a senator who is trying to get reelected, it is more beneficial for you to support maybe your donors in the oil industry than it is to go against them and face losing your seat. And I also think that one of the downsides of the democratic system is it's very short-term. We tend to think in two-year, four-term, six-year plans, and it's very hard to extend a goal over a very long period of time because it goes in election cycles. So I think that one of the biggest 
issues that's kept us from adequately addressing climate change up to this point is it's something that won't take four years. It won't take one president. It'll take a long time, and it'll take a massive collective bipartisan action that we all need to take, and we all need to take a leadership role, and that's what it's going to take to save this issue. I need to get one more of the Green New Deal on somebody that thinks it's all a bunch of hokum. Who says I'll do it? Where are you? This gentleman here? Your name, sir, where are you from? Um, my name is Adam Pack. I'm from West Virginia. And I don't really want to talk about the specifics of the Green New Deal. I just want to say um, how disastrous I think it would be for my state. Um, my state is West Virginia. We are the second biggest coal-producing state in the nation besides Wyoming. Under Obama's um, Clean Power Plan, it was very disastrous for my state. Thousands of people lost their jobs. Um, a lot of the mines shut down in the coal regions. And I really think when, um, I think it's great to talk about like the, the Green New Deal, talk about saving the environment, climate change, but realize that it's going to have really disastrous short-term effects for, multiple, for tons of people across middle America. So um, I, I do believe climate change is real, but I do believe that we need to have something um, of like a safety net for the people that are gonna be falling behind due to the changing nature um, that the Green New Deal would shift on America's environment. What would be the impact in the United States if you got rid of coal, you got rid of nuclear power, you got rid of all oil, fossil fuels? Well, I, I'm not going to disagree that I think it would be um, much cleaner for the environment. I'm just saying that I don't think it's realistic. Um, Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Let's go to your notebooks. And remember, we're not looking for a lot of pablum about what a wonderful week it was and all that. Something, some insight that you have that you wrote down and you want to share with us. And this is going to go quickly. You don't have to get up. Just what's your name? My name is Bayan Galel, and I'm from Prospect, Connecticut. And so the quote I have is from the first day um, when we talked with the Revolutionary War historian Jack Warren, and he said that our job is to fulfill the American Revolution. And it was an important topic that he brought up because he was basically addressing the issue that many people feel like our freedoms and our ideals haven't yet been fulfilled. And so hearing this from him showed that the magnitude of the issues can be very large and can seem like they're too big, but this idea that we have to continue to allow um, independence to to be sought after was very powerful. Who's got one? Yes, ma'am. Go stand up so we can see you. Yeah, your name and where are you from? I'm Clark Peoples, and I'm from Georgia. What'd you write down? Uh, the quote that I have is, it is required of the citizens of our republic to be founders in our democracy, which is a quote from Colorado Senator Michael Bennett. Why did that get your attention? Um, I think it's really important, especially now with the partisan divides in our nation, to understand that it is our generation's um, role and our duty to preserve and continue our democracy and the legacy um, of our founding fathers. I have a quick question for you. If we assembled people in our country representing the different areas of the country in Philadelphia for a constitutional convention, do you think we could put together a constitution right now? Well, it depends on what uh, cohort we look at. I think that right now our young people um, are very inspiring and we're very passionate about um, our ideals and especially seeing all the delegates here this week. I have confidence in um, us that we could uh, and come together to reach a consensus that's educated and informed, uh, you know, and crosses party lines. So we should just invite people that are 22 years old and, uh, and younger? 
leave us old guys out of this? No millennials and no... no oh, my God, no <laughs> <coughs> No geezers, is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. What do you have written down? Stand up, please, and we can see you. Hi, my name is Ishan Modi. I'm from the Crossroads of America, Indiana. And the quote that I wrote down was when Chief Justice Roberts was referring to Sandra Day O'Connor, a former justice. And he said, she said that, you can't be indecisive. You just got to decide. And this quote is extremely important to me and I think to all of us because in such a divided country, in such a divided world, it's up to us to have that dialogue. It's up to us to critically analyze what's being said through different lenses and to use that critical thinking to make a decision, stick with it, and continue to advocate. Where are you from in Indiana? I'm from Fishers, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. Thank you. All right. Yes, ma'am. We I'm talked gonna... earlier. You're the speaker tonight. I you am. You better just... be good now. Well, I'm just going to give everybody a little preview for tonight, I guess. But I'm Kate, and I'm one of the delegates from Oklahoma, from Stillwater. And instead of talking about a speaker's quote, I'm actually going to talk about one of the delegates' quotes that I saw this week. If anybody knows my friend David Ox, let's hear it for him real quick, from New York. <laughs> He's a very, very intelligent man, and he asks us all very thought-provoking questions. I'm sure you guys have gotten these questions before. But he asks most of us a very, very deep philosophical question, which says, if a ship is to set off to sea, and all the old planks are replaced with new planks, is it the same ship? And so, yes, I can think of it on a philosophical level as to what the answer would be, but instead I actually kind of started thinking about it a little bit more, and I started thinking about ourselves as people. So we're going to set off to sea, we're going to college, we're going to professions, and we're never going to see each other again. So no matter how much we gain our knowledge, and no matter how much we add to ourselves, will we still be the same people? Will we still come back and be friends? It's interesting because we see a lot of politicians go off to D.C., even from our own states. They go off to D.C., they run on a platform, and then they get to D.C. and their platform has changed. They've changed as a person. Are they the same person still, or did politics change them? So I wanted to give a special shout-out to my friend David for this question that uh, kind of was thought-provoking and also helped me kind of put in perspective where we're going in our future. And are we going to stay the same? Are we going to stay to our values? Or are we going to change because of society? So tonight, when Kate gets up there, you can all just close your ears and go on with the rest of your conversation. Thank you, Kate. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Your name. Hello. My name is Cindy Aguilar, and I'm from the state of California. What would you write down? Um, the quote that resonated with me was from Susan Gordon, um, the principal deputy of national security, and she said, if we lose a couple millions, that's okay, but if we lose a couple lives, then I have to rethink my decision. And that really resonated with me, specifically around the immigration issue and everything that's going on, because I feel often, oftentimes we lose context of the lives that are being lost, the people who are in detention centers, the families that are being separated, and we kind of stop thinking about the stories and the people behind everything that is occurring and focusing more on the economic aspect, which sure is important. But when Ms. Gordon said that if we lose a couple lives and I have to rethink my decisions, that really resonated with me. Thank you. How about at this table right here? Yes, sir. Please stand. Get you so you can, the camera can see you. Hi, my name is Jacob Bernard. I'm from the Garden State of New Jersey. Um, one quote that really resonated with me was when Judge Henry was discussing uh, when he was a nominee for Bill Clinton. And uh, Bill Clinton had said to him, you know, I really didn't like your decision in one of your cases. And he said, well, I didn't like it either, but there's this law thing. And that really resonated with me because I want to be a lawyer one day and hopefully be a judge. And to recognize the fact that you need to separate yourself from your personal feelings and the law. And the idea that judges are 
only responsible and are held to the Constitution and the law, not necessarily their personal feelings and the opinion of the country. What are you going to do with your diary once this week is over? Um, I hope to take it back to my school, actually, and I have already reached out to my Board of Education and hopefully share some of the knowledge I've learned. Of course, I'm going to keep some of the secrets for myself. Um, but I also want to sit down, have a conversation with my principal, hopefully talk to some of the members of my local Democratic Party and talk to them about what I've learned and experienced and how I can help them make even more of a change in our town. This table. Yes, ma'am. Please. Hello. My name is Shaza Hussein, and I'm from Rosemount, Minnesota. Um, and the quote that I have is from the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson. And the quote is, look at the goal as opposed to who gets credit. And I feel like if we truly want the best outcomes in society and our daily lives, we need to be able to admit that we don't know everything. I think a lot of people nowadays, especially politicians, are praise hungry. And for that reason, they don't go to the other side or seek guidance from other people. So I think in our lives and if we decide to go into politics, it's important to admit that we don't know everything and go to those who may be wise than us and get advice and really help enrich ourselves so that we can really achieve the goal that we're going for. Thank, Thank you. you. There's others at this table. Yes, sir. Your name. Uh, my name is Azim Khan, and I'm a delegate from West Virginia, uh, Charleston, West Virginia. And a quote that spoke to me was uh, also from Judge Henry, and he was discussing how judges must decide every case that's before them. And the context of that was as opposed to legislators or the executive branch where you can maybe just push off an issue till after the election or never address it. Thank you, sir. How about right here while we got the mic? Yes, sir, please. Uh, so a quote that really spoke to me was also from Secretary Carson, and it was, it was pretty simple. It's, the American dream is for everybody. And so that idea that regardless of, of race, religion, creed, gender, that we all as Americans have uh, an equal opportunity to make lives better for ourselves, for our children, and those after us. Something that's very important to me and something that I really value. And so in a, a divisive time like this, it's important that we go back to our roots and those founding ideals that uh, every American is an American and every American has an opportunity. I'll ask you the same question I asked earlier. Do you think if we had a constitutional convention today we could come to an agreement? I think that we could, yes. Thank you. Let us stand there. Yes, sir. Please. My name is Nathan Dethloff, and I'm from Ardmore, Oklahoma. And what would you write down? So Chief Justice Roberts said, I see the image and likeness of God in every human face, and if you do that, it's hard to instinctively hate. And I think regardless of how you feel politically or how, what you think about the Green New Deal or President Trump, if we don't love each other, we've already lost. Thank you. This table. Yes, ma'am. Please stand. Face me so we can get you on camera. Okay. My name is Lexi rodriguez Padilla, and I'm from the green state of Washington. What did, what did you write down? I wrote down, if everybody's happy, you're not doing your job. And this is from Elizabeth McDonough. And I think it really resonates because you can't please everyone. And in society today, whether you're working in diplomacy or as a part of uh, anyone in government or anyone acting in civil service, you just got to do what's better for the majority of the people. Whatever that is, you're not going to make everyone happy. Thank you. We're going to do a couple more of the quotes, and then I want to ask you, the same question we ask high school students around the country to create a documentary, a five-minute documentary. We have 3,000 entrants, and we just announced the winners. The winner got $5,000, and the question is, what does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to be an American? More quotes. Who's got a quote? Yeah. Yes, ma'am, your name. 
Hi, my name is Inshira Bediako, and I'm from the state of Tennessee. And uh, the quote was, the quote also was, the American dream is for everybody from Ben Carson. And I actually thought it was a provocative quote because I personally believe that the American dream isn't for everybody. I believe that right now we have a lot of issues of uh, racism and sexism and other just um, prejudices that keep us from the American dream. And specifically coming from Ben Carson, to be honest, I was a little upset because Ben Carson has ignored a lot of civil rights cases coming into his office. In his two-year term, he has only approved one of the cases, and it was not even the most provocative case. I do believe I'm very inspired by my other fellow delegates that I've met here that we can achieve the American dream, but I believe that in order to do that, we must take the veil off of our eyes and realize that at the state that we are now, that the American dream is not attainable for everybody and that we must work harder to achieve that. Thank you. Thank you. One more. <laughs> One more on the quotes. Yes, ma'am. Please stand. Good morning. My name is Ava Darty. I'm from the District of Columbia, which is, I hope, to be the 51st state. And um, the quote that I would like to give you today is that women's rights are natural rights. They're immutable and they're universal. Where did you get that? That was from Jack Warren from the Society of the Cincinnati Revolutionary War Historian. And why did you write that down? Why do you think that's the most important quote? I think that's the most important quote because these days some people get a bad reputation for calling themselves feminists because people are tied up in protecting the status quo that they get distracted from moving forward because even if women here can drive cars that doesn't mean that every issue in our society has already been solved and it's important to remember that women are half of our society and they're just as important as the other half let me ask you a question after this long interesting week for you and you go back home you don't have to go very far of course I, you're the worst one in the room to ask this question what kind of reaction do you think you'll get from your fellow students when you tell them what you've done for the week I think they will be jealous of some of the politicians that I've been able to meet. I think they will be, um, they'll have a lot of mixed feelings about having met the president. They'll say, why didn't you uh, give him a few choice words? And I'll tell them, well, I wanted $10,000. And and also because I respect the office. But uh, I also think that people will want to know the things that I've learned, and I'll be happy to share that with them. And I hope that my teachers will forgive me for missing so much work. <laughs> so it's all about the money. No, no, it's definitely not. Um, this experience, if, if I had been here without $10,000, I would have been just as happy. This experience was amazing. Despite, like, I'm, I came here, it took 15 minutes to get here, but it has been one of the most transformative experiences of my entire life. And I also would not have insulted him, even if I was under threat of not getting my scholarship. I should explain that the $10,000 is a scholarship money yes. that goes to your education. Yes, it's not just, it's not just uh, pocket money. It's for our education, and all of us are encouraged to uh, study political science or history. And I think every one of us, whether or not we go into political science, every one of us here is going to go into some kind of public service because of how much we've all been inspired this week by the amazing speakers that we've heard. Yeah, and that $10,000 comes from the Hearst Foundation. It's a private organization, not the government. All right. What does it mean to be an American? We're going to, oh, my goodness, I'm surrounded. Yes, ma'am. My name is Catherine Daniel, and I am from the great state of Alabama. 
I believe that to be an American, it means to be proud of your country, no matter what your views are or whether you agree with the government or not, because the founders had many differing opinions. And even today, we have many differing opinions. But uh, like they said, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And out of many different viewpoints and many different ideologies, we all make one strong, great nation. Thank you. We're going to move quickly now and make it as short as possible uh, so we can get as many in as possible in the last five minutes. Yes, ma'am. Hi, I'm Catherine Broughton from the Land of Enchantment, New Mexico. And I think um, to be an American is to be kinetic. Um, we're always moving. We must always be moving forward. Um, it's important for us not to be stagnant or stuck in one place. We must always be focused on um, not ourselves, but the future generations and the future of this country that we clearly all love. Thank you. Who's over here that hasn't talked? Yes, sir. Hi, my name is Andrew Honeycomb. I'm from Delaware. Uh, I believe that being an American uh, simply means knowing the difference between America as an idea and America as a country, and knowing that we must always stand by the idea of America and the ideals that we were founded on, but knowing when the country is wrong and when we need to call it out. This gentleman sitting next to you. Hi, I'm Jack Brennan from South Dakota, and I believe being a true American is understanding that our nation is not perfect, so true patriotism is fighting for what you believe in and protesting for what's right, and it's been that way since 1776. Thank you. How about uh, who we missed? Yes, sir. What's it mean to be an American? Uh, my name is Justin Thatcher from Salem, Oregon. Um, a military mentor posed this question to me while we were having dinner one day. It was uh, to be or to do. And I think that when we regard the idea of America, it's not simply an ideal and it's not simply something that we can think of or conceive. It's rather a social responsibility that we have to our country and our fellow citizens. It's putting in the work, putting in the protest, putting in the, the organizing, the activism, um, and ensuring that um, what we say and um, what we are is not simply something that is a label and rather um, something that we can see every day when we walk out the door. I need to move around the table and ask Preeti, who introduced this segment, to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us where you're from, your name, and what's it mean to be an American. Okay. My name is Preeti Chamidi. I'm from North Dakota. And for me, the concept of being an American could best be summarized as a quote that one of our speakers actually stated to us. She referred to the government as a living, breathing creature. And I believe that that's exactly what our nation is. It's a creature that needs to be nurtured. And fundamentally, a part of that is our activism in that as youth ourselves and being involved in what our country does in its operations. Hannah, also from North Dakota. I'm answering what it means for me. Yes. All right. So for me, um, sorry for my voice, by the way, uh, but... I'm so patriotic, and I'm, I love my country so much, and especially right here, I have never been more in love with being an American than I am right now, and I really love that the fact that I could go anywhere in the world and do anything, and things about me could change, but no matter what, I will always be an American. Thank you, sir. Hi. Uh, should I stand up? Or? Yeah, no, you can, just, you can just tell us. Sure. So, uh, my name's Abe Baker Butler, and I'm from the great state of New York, uh, and to me, to be an American means to be a striver. It means to be someone who's continue, continuously working towards a more perfect union, towards turning the ideals of our founding fathers into a reality, not just for our country, um, but for the world. As we've all discussed, many of those ideals have not yet been fully realized in our nation. Um, and I think, as Americans, we need to continue striving towards progress. And I think in all of the pieces of legislation, in all of the policies we discuss, no matter our political leanings, whether it's the Green New Deal or the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act or tariffs, all of that is done as a means of trying to bring us closer to the ideals of our founders um, towards a more perfect union. And I think in that, to be an American is someone who's continuously moving towards progress in a better world. 
One last one back here in the back. Yes, ma'am. Please stand so we can see you with the camera. Hi, I'm Rachel Victoria from Providence, Rhode Island. And to me, being American is to call out your country when you realize that something is wrong at all times. It does not matter what you believe in. It does not matter if you're someone who believes that, um, for instance, like, you don't believe in gay marriage. It does not mean that you stand for homophobic beliefs. As an American, you believe that everyone belongs here and everyone has the right to be in America. Um, I think it was a speaker that said this to us once, that if you have an idea, if you have a stance, you are an American. It, to be an American is to have a dream, to have an idea, and that means no matter what, whoever you are, what do you stand for, um, to be an American is to be free and to be... Um, as open as you can, a homophobic person does not represent, should not represent what American is, shouldn't, a racist person should not represent American values. To be an American is to be progressive, to be open, and to include all no matter what. I, I said uh, that was the last one, but I want to see if somebody can do this. One word on what it means to be an American. One word, back here at this table. Yes, please stand, tell us. My name is Providence Andrews and I'm from Illinois. And uh, One word. Improvement. Thank you. This is the United States Senate Youth Program, as we said earlier, underwritten by the Hearst Foundation. You all have spent a week here, you've gotten about two hours sleep for the week. And you're looking forward to the big dinner tonight, and we thank you very much for joining us for the, on this occasion. Good luck to you all. are available on our website or as a podcast at cspan.org.